0: You put a lot on a minivan.
1: Put a lot of shit in there, and you can camp in there very comfortably. And those things drive so smooth. I'm saying, I'm getting a minivan. The
2: most uh, uh, boomer talk we could have right now (laughs) (laughs) bringing back the minivan.
1: There's a lot to life,
0: and we're figuring it out because who knows? We don't i'm jonah and i'm jack this is the podcast of our crusade to be at least mediocre at everything
1: today we're going to be learning more about woodworking craftsmanship and starting up a business with alex vogel of wolfhound carpentry how you doing Thanks for joining us today, and I am so happy to have you here. I've I've known Alex since high
0: school, middle school. So yeah,
2: middle school. Yep.
0: Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll begin with this. Alex, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know your story and why we have you on the show today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, first up, I just want to say thanks to both you guys. It's like kind of an honor. I've never done anything like this before, so. Uh, it's definitely a pleasure to to kind of tell my story and everything like that. So but yeah, I uh, grew up in Arizona. I was born in Chicago, but grew up in Arizona. And um, the creative, you know, kind of artistic side of me uh, really did start when I was young. And I think I have both my parents to thank for that. Kind of grew up in a, uh, necessarily bo- say bohemian, but that kind of lifestyle. Both parents were were definitely hardworking and kind of blue collar, but still have this big uh artistic side to them. My dad is a fantastic poet and like I said, just a really hardworking guy. He ran a business for 20 plus years, a landscaping and uh handyman business. And my mother was uh, a resource aide. She also has this, you know, great artistic side. She's a writer, uh photographer, you know. So growing up, it was it was a lot of creativity in the household.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's in your blood. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, to further on that, it's my, my mom's really big into Ancestry.com. <laughs> We've done the 23 and Me, just going nuts, finding everything out about <laughs> our, our heritage and everything like that. And it turns out there's like blacksmiths, there's shipwrights, there's carpenters, there's, you know, you name it. There's uh, tradesmen going going way back. So and that's stuff that's kind of coming to light right now. So it's kind of funny to like to be a woodworker and a welder and a craftsman and have that as your roots as well. So it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Did you guys find out all of this stuff about your your heritage and your ancestry after you got into woodworking and and, and all that stuff?
2: Uh I knew my it was my great grandfather. He was a blacksmith. So I, I did know that prior, but but there's a lot of stuff that my mom's finding out that's like like an, ancestral stuff. So we didn't know any any of that. We're Irish and British, and uh yeah, it means something to me for sure. It's it's something that I I, I like the idea that I'm kind of following the footsteps. And because, you know, you think about it with families, that everybody's a doctor, everybody's a lawyer or whatever, you know, and it's, this is kind of the, the following that tradition in that sense. So I think it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's awesome, man. Yeah. That's cool. And tell us about how you got into your business, what your business is. Absolutely. Yeah. So the business is called Wolfound Carpentry. I get asked
2: a lot about that name. Like, why, why'd you pick that? I think that kind of goes once again, back to my roots of the, the Irish Wolfound is kind of something kind of unique. Right now, Wolfhound Carpentry specifically resin works. Uh, we do cutting boards, uh, side tables, and then we do some decor, coasters and stuff like that as well. It started in two, 2017. It's morphed quite a bit. Didn't really have much capital to start with. Had a few tools that were either gifted to me or kind of passed down. Just started working on kind of like Pinterest ideas, you know, <laughs> just... I didn't even have any customers. I just I just had had some ideas off of Pinterest and, and started building them and throw them up on on Instagram or Facebook and and they started selling to go kind of the start. I uh, studied theater at ASU. I was there building props and set pieces for the live performances, and I had worked on a couple small student films as well. Okay, so that's yeah. kind of how I got my start, and then had the two car garage and you know doing that on the side.
0: Well, when did you really start? building and using tools and that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. So, so that was, uh, I think it was a freshman at ASU and, uh, in 2009 and I, uh, I was an industrial design major and so I was doing all this drawing and, and all this stuff, but you never got to really build anything. You just, you know, do the concepts and do all the drawings. And, uh, I just got like kind of, I don't know, bored with you know, the fact that, oh, I was drawing all these things, but I couldn't like actually conceptualize it. It was just, you know, on paper. So uh, I remember having a meeting with one of my professors, uh, Jordan Myers, and uh, he was like, Alex, you need to do stagecraft. Like you need to like, you, could get, you get to design and then you get to build it. So I switched my major that, that my sophomore year. And I actually had never even been to a play before. (laughs) My my first play was a play called Bone Portraits. And it was a student, I think it was a student play, or maybe it was one of the professors put it on. And I was like, oh, you know, I guess if I'm going to be a theater major, I got to go see a play. So (laughs) I went and (laughs) and saw a play and I thought it was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, just immediately took all the shop classes I could take, really just fell in love with with the creative side of it, with, with carpentry in general. And yeah, so did that for, you know, I did my four years at ASU. And then I got a job at a professional, smaller professional theater in Gilbert called Hale, Hale Center Theater. And from there, I think I worked there for about five and a half years as their master carpenter. So that was a great job, tons of experience, a lot of responsibility. So really kind of honed in a lot of the basic carpentry skills and welding as well.
0: I'm sure we could talk about this for a whole nother episode, but just Really quick questions, but what was it like being a theater major and you just you were just there to, you know, set design and build the sets and all that kind of stuff? Like you're not are you're not are you taking acting classes or
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh absolutely, yeah. No, it was a requirement it was a requirement. Like I actually I specialized in it what's called DMP, which is design, media, and production. But you still need to take all your core classes just like the actors they need to take the shop classes as well oh, which is no which way. is which is pretty cool cuz i mean you really do need to to see from both sides you need to do the tech stuff you need to do the acting stuff i dread absolutely dreaded the acting stuff that was like <laughs> like in hindsight it was you know it's pretty yeah i'm glad i did it it's pretty cool but uh like doing it in- i had to do improv class it was like it was a nightmare for me <laughs> uh
1: that sounds like my literal nightmare yeah absolutely, that sounds yeah. so
2: awful oh man yeah yeah it was awkward for sure <laughs>
0: that's interesting that's interesting okay yeah i was curious like you're a theater major but do you you're not acting you're not yeah, in the
2: yeah.
1: theater you're not-
2: <laughs> exactly yep yeah I would, I would build for the shows and uh and then i would go home at the end of the day and then that was kind of it <laughs>
1: Okay, so my question is uh maybe this is a two parter. Okay. One, as a kid, what was the first or what was the very first thing you ever built ever? And then the second part is when you're getting a little bit more serious, like what was the first thing you threw up on Instagram for like sale?
2: I think probably the first thing that like most notable was uh we built a Tree Fort, like a pretty impressive Ooh. like yeah. Like tree house. So yeah, just stuff like that. And then as I got older, I think the very first thing I put up for sale was, I was it was out of pallet wood. It was like a pallet, pallet shelf. You know, it was just like some shelving that I made out of made out of pallet wood. And it actually I literally continued selling those. I don't know, maybe up until 2019, you know, yeah. so I, for a couple of years I was selling those and, uh, just kind of bread bread and butter money. So yeah, it kind of it kind of stuck, you know. It, it was that kind of rustic farmhouse style that was really popular yeah. in 2016 2017.
1: So As a new trend comes, is it like a learning curve for you too because you're like, "Well, dang, I got to like maybe even learn this new thing that's popular right now and then it kind of throws off your equilibrium." But yeah, it sounds like it could pull away from what you want to do as well.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, I've been pretty lucky because I've kind of as the trends have, have changed, I've actually kind of like, like when resin got super popular, I, I mean, I had really never seen it and people have been pouring resin for, you know, like in the same application since the seventies, it's like, it's been around for a while, but it really just got super popular. And I, and I loved it. I thought it was like so cool. So I was really interested in in learning the process and, and I just, I dove right in, but yeah, I mean, who knows what's next, you know, as far as trying to go and there will always be, you know, fine woodworking, fine furniture is, is always going to be popular. And I'm, I'm always ready to explore more of that side. I I don't, I would never consider myself a fine woodworker by any means. I, but it's something that I'm interested in. The, the, the more I grow as a woodworker, I think I'm, I'm headed in that direction. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. Are there, are there certain things that you really like to build versus, you know, you like you're super into tables and if you build another pallet shelf again, and how you're gonna freak out
2: yeah absolutely um yeah I would say like the sliding barn doors and that kind of style I've just I'm I'm really done with it <laughs> like I'm really done with the <laughs> it's just that, it, yeah it was like two years of my life it really stripped the the creativity it w- those were those were builds that were like to bring money in for the business really mm-hmm. but but yeah I, I would say I really do like tables in general I think tables are a great thing to build I think they you encompass it encompasses a lot of types of woodworking. We have the the base, the the joinery and the legs, which is really important in woodworking is joinery. I mean, so you're, you know, creating a a stable table is uh is really, you know, really important part of uh woodworking. I love the idea of creating something that could bring the family together. You know, everybody can sit there and have a meal. Uh or do their homework or whatever. I mean, I think <laughs> the other, there's a lot of special moments that happen at a, at a family's table. I think, so I think, I think a table is probably my favorite thing to
0: build. I mean, it's more than just building. What's important to you is, you know, like the creativity and the heart and what people get out of it.
2: You know, I get asked all the time about Ikea furniture and about, you know, target furniture and all, and all, the, you know, living spaces, all that stuff. And that stuff's great. Cause I mean, we're all human. We all, we're, we all work. We got to buy furniture on a budget. Sometimes you can't afford a custom made table, you know, so that stuff is great for what it is. But to me, the best way I would put it is it doesn't have a soul. So, you know, every, everything that I, that I put out and sell to a customer, it's, you know, I'm spending a lot of time really getting used to working with that specific piece. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, there is a sentiment, you know, sentimental side to it. There's uh, a soul to it, I guess is the best way I would put
0: it. What a profound way to look at furniture. Jack is, cu- <laughs>
1: right? Jack is cutting onions in here because I'm crying.
0: <laughs> I'm getting a little weepy because, for real, that's such a
1: beautiful way to look and think about it. You know. Oh, follow up to that though. Let's say you're just making love to a piece. I mean, you're just really, you know, you've spent hours and hours and hours on it. How does it feel to give it away? I mean, you're selling it, so you're getting money. Right, but- so money. Yeah. <laughs> but like it's your baby. What are you yeah. doing? Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know point. what? Taking good pictures is, is key. Like it's something that I <laughs> <laughs> really, cause, cause it's nice to document and have the memories, you know, like you're always going to have the memory of making it, especially a piece you really, you really love. But I also take pictures throughout the process too. Like, especially, I mean, Especially if it's for a customer, it's good to document everything just to have it, but also because sometimes they like to see it too, you know the the process. But it's nice to I mean, gosh, I have thousands and thousands of photos of all the you know all the work I've done, and uh yeah, it's 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 important to take those photos and and be able to reflect, you know on on the past pieces, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Do you have like a portfolio with all these photos that you can show people or does he kind of just like throw them up on your website and stuff?
2: Whenever? Uh, yeah, we're working towards that to have any more of an official. Um, but my my personal Instagram right now is where I, I throw up stuff past and present.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. How much of it, how much of what you build and what people are basically commissioning you to do allows you to be creative?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think it really comes down to the customer. I would say more often than not, people will let you run with, you know, they'll they'll maybe have a style that they like and maybe some dimensions, but they'll really let you run with it. Sometimes it's really nice if you if you have a customer that has like, you know, they'll have like an AutoCAD like drafting of like the exact <laughs> dimensions to the T. And I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm good at I could I could do that and I could replicate it. And, you know, it's 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 easier. I mean, it really is. It's, it's less brain power. you know, it's just, okay, this is what you need. I could, I could replicate
1: it. Yeah. You can't deviate when someone's like really particular or whatever.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas somebody that's like, Oh, Hey, we want, you know, mid-century modern piece. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a sideboard and we want it to be 50 inches long. And then I go, okay, cool. I'll just go with it. You know? And I, yeah. I do quite a bit of research on, you know, looking up different styles and then, usually draw some sketches out for them and then, uh, kind of go from there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. I was just about to ask too, like, what what's the process like if someone comes to you and they're, they're saying, Hey, I want a dining table that is rustic and whatever. And then it sounds like it's a creative process that goes back and forth between you and the customer until you land on something that they, they like. Yes,
2: absolutely. It's, it's actually a pretty, I would say more often than not, it's a pretty lengthy process of, Communic- communicating with the customer up front and, you know, for the process of, of getting contacted, uh, t- till the point where I'm actually breaking wood is like easily, you know, a couple weeks.
0: Okay. And then how long after that do you think on average, does it take for you to deliver them the, the finished product?
2: So I've been pretty bad about this in the past. I, I, I've in the past, I've given specific dates, which uh, is never good. <laughs> like it's, yeah cause you really try to stick to it, but you know, life happens and, and, uh, it, with it being a business, you know, you have to take other jobs and, and there are there, it's, a, you know, it's always a time crunch. So now I'm moving more towards, you know, the three to four week range.
1: That's pretty quick. That's quicker than I thought. So the
2: typical is about 10 weeks. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're supposed to allow about 10 weeks. Um, yeah. but you know, it, like I said, it's a business and it's, it's about turnaround, you know, it's about
0: getting the job, you know, and, and, uh, and, and getting paid interesting yeah that that totally makes sense um a lot faster than what we were expecting for sure we were like whoa
1: superman chill <laughs> no, i'm just kidding <laughs> my question is what do you prefer hand tools versus power tools
2: it's a great question i i would like to say I prefer hand tools, but in (laughs) reality, it's just like the power tools are so much easier. And, and honestly, like, if you, if you can get your hands on some high quality power tools, I mean, it's going to save you so much time and, and the precision behind them is pretty, pretty crazy. But I do love the idea of staying true to the roots of, of woodworking and, you know, the, the idea of a saw. So if you think about a saw, a saw is really essentially just a bunch of little chisels. It's a little bunch, you know, tiny bunch of chisel chisels. So really when you're, when you're first starting off, you should really learn how to use a chisel. Like that's like the first tool you should really learn how to use. Um, with my roots being in uh, stage carpentry, like the deadlines are so tight and you're not, you know,
0: Mm.
2: and you're really just thinking about, you know, and you're not really working with, you know, nice hardwoods either. You're working with a lot of plywood and stuff like that. So, so I, my, my roots were really set in power tools, you know, so I, I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the luxury of just like really being able to take my time and, and, and learn hand tools properly. But as I kind of further my career as a woodworker, uh, I see myself implementing more and more, you know, hand tools. And eventually, you know, who knows maybe 20 years from now, you know, I'll have a, Uh, like an Amish shop, you know, Amish style (laughs) shop where, where it's all, you know, no power and, and all, you know, just (laughs) cool hand tools. Yeah.
0: What are some of your favorite tools to work with?
2: Oh, that's That's good. That's a great question.
0: I I love, I love tool talk. Yeah. Yeah, Tool tool talk. talk. Yeah. You know
2: what? I just, that's a great question. uh, I just got, I think my favorite tool I've ever owned, um, and it's it's called a die grinder, and I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with a die grinder. So it's like an angle grinder okay. uh, where you can grind metal and everything like that. But a die grinder, it's it's a it's a rotary tool, so like a Dremel, uh, mm-hmm. if you guys are familiar with that. And you could uh, there's a brand I can't remember the name of the brand. I think it's called cutsall or something like that. And you they have these different tips that you could put on, and you could actually carve wood. So a lot of sculptors, uh, wood sculptors, are using. Uh this thing. So it a little, yeah, a little rotary tool and I just picked one up and, uh, man, it's, it's really cool. And it's also practical, uh, because I, like I said, I do a lot of live edge pieces. So you're literally just cutting a slab of wood. You got the bark still on there. You got little tight, you know, nooks and crannies that you need to clear out. And this, you know, with the right attachment, you can clear this stuff out real quick. So mm-hmm. the die grinder is, is definitely my favorite tool right now. And, uh, and also I'm really into sculpt sculptures. So I think they're, you know, might be a little transition into doing some sculpting, uh, in my future. Now that yes. I have this. That's yeah. awesome. Very cool.
0: Yeah. Like the, like wood sculptures.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wood sculptures. Yeah. 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 I've done, I've done a couple things in the past, but, uh, but yeah, with, with this, they call it power carving, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you, you do use some, some finer chisels and stuff like that. But, um, I've been doing, uh, some spoon spoon making oh. and, uh, <laughs> utensils mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it's, uh, it, make, it makes it a breeze, you know, with the, with this this die grinder. So I'm pretty excited to keep expanding on, you know. Oh, that's cool.
1: I don't even know what it is and I want it. <laughs> 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 I'm I always copying everybody
0: on this podcast. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I'm a sculptor now, too. Not that's the whole,
2: that's the whole point of it, right? So you guys can <laughs> learn all that. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And so if someone wanted to get started, you know, like Jonah, now if he wants to oh, yeah. become... Um, you know, a carpenter, or a woodworker, he's got a couple things, but you know, for someone starting from scratch, what do you, what are the basics that you think they would need? Let me give
1: you my shop. Okay. Let's okay. See. So I have Jack gave me almost all of this stuff. Just FYI, but okay. <laughs> he got me a nice measuring tape, and that one has all of the the lines. Mm, it has like the fractions listed out. Yeah, there. it has the fractions on there because I need the fractions. <laughs> I do have a square. I have a, a quite a few clamps. I have a miter box and then I have a um, a circular saw.
0: Yeah, yep. I gave you a circular saw. And
1: then I have a jigsaw or not a jigsaw. No, a jigsaw. Yeah, a jigsaw. A jigsaw. And then I have You got you got a lot of stuff. I have a lot of stuff. I yeah. have like I have like, you know, a, you know, a drill, all that good stuff. I have a Absolutely. I have quite a few things, but I don't have a sander.
2: That's a good one to get a power sander is a good one. It'll save your, save your fingers mm-hmm. from uh, hand sanding, but no, it's, I mean, it sounds like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much everything I would say to get started, you know, doing, you know, you could do a lot with, with the circular saw and the jigsaw, especially um, yeah. Power sander though. That's a, that's a great one. I use power sander all the time. So,
1: yeah, I feel like I want to get a chisel now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have a Dremel or I have, I think it's a Dremel a Dremel tool. It's like really, really small though. Um, I just don't know how to use it. So I want (laughs) to, I want to learn how to chisel stuff.
2: Yeah. 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 Chisel, chisel and hammer. That's, that's a great, uh, a great combo there. You know, that's, that's an important thing to, to, to know how to use properly. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I see a lot of the, uh, Japanese joinery videos and it's amazing And and they're all done with chisels and stuff.
2: Yes, it is. Yeah. There's some really cool joinery. I I love how every culture has like their own form of, of woodworking. Like, and it's all so different, but yeah, uh, specifically Japanese woodworking is really cool, really intricate. And uh, you know, no screws or a lot of it. They don't even use glue. Like, you know, it's Mm -hmm. all just like these complex joints that are, uh, see it. My, my father always told me that to be a good woodworker, you need to be patient. And Mm. I'm, I am not the most patient person. <laughs> so uh I am working on that but yeah I mean if you're going to you know delve into that fine woodworking side you got to be patient. You got every project's going to take a while, you know. You gotta, yeah. You got to be uh ready to uh you know if it's not perfect just to, to scrap it and start again.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: That's no. why I couldn't do ceramics because I would just throw the clay. Like I was like, <sighs> fuck this. You know, if it, if I had to start over, I was like, nah, I'm Not done you know. done with
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, and then, okay. Last of my like random woodworking, you know, tools question, but what's your favorite type of screw? Ooh. So. <laughs> just got so stoked for that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, well,
2: same with roots in, 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 uh, stage carpentry, we use drywall screws for like everything. That's, that's what, so I just got so used to doing, you know, using drywall screws for everything. And then, um, a buddy of mine, he start, he shared the idea of using uh, was, uh deck screws, uh, cause mm. they're, they're so strong and they're like weather, mm. they're weatherproof and everything like that. So deck screws have been, uh, have been pretty good and they use a star drive on the, for the, for your, for your drill. So uh, you're you're not going
0: to strip it out as easy. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what we like to hear. Jack just taught me
1: about this. Like, I think I was crying to him and I was like, I strip every screw. I fucking hate this basically. And then he was like, yeah, because you're stupid. And so he showed me that
0: <laughs> and my life has changed. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I don't use Phillips head anymore. No,
2: it's really not even like like I, I have so much training with the drill because you use a drill so much in, in theater. But like like to me that's that's how i could tell that's how i would gauge when i was working with with new people is how well they you know they, they may be like, oh I, you know i did i did uh you know stagecraft back in high school and they might you know kind of act like a know-it-all and then <laughs> you could really tell you, you'll get exposed when you're using a drill in, in theater because some people you know they're stripping them out left and right and it's like ah you know you haven't put <laughs> in the time you know but yeah the 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 star drive is is great for that it's it's uh pretty much impossible jonah so
0: yeah
1: yeah i don't know how to use a drill i clearly i would strip if i even look at a screw and i'm holding a drill a phillips head it's like (laughs) stripped it's like crazy stripped. so i'm like okay but yeah star gorgeous yeah
0: so if you had to pick between the three uh a star a star bit a square bit or phillips which would you choose to only ever work with for the rest of your life?
1: Oh my god! I'm
2: guessing star. I really, honestly, I think I've only used a square like like a handful of times. Honestly, I think they use those. I think that's like the primary one they use in Canada. I might be wrong, but oh. I've I've seen some Canadian furniture. They use the uh, they use a square. I know. Oh, <laughs> all, all wack, wacky over there! Now, yeah,
0: <laughs> Canada, Canada. Yeah, I see. I think um, Craig. Uh, oh that's right the, they do the a brand craig yeah with their pocket holes oh, and all that kind of stuff they, they,
2: they do a square you're right you're right i that's have
1: probably, yeah. i do have that too in my shop i have a
0: pocket hole that's the pocket egg. pocket hole thing you yeah come, oh, your your toolbox a shop now it's
1: a, <laughs> yeah, my toolbox it's actually like the size of a you know a, it's a small toolbox but it's my shop okay so <laughs> yeah i have the craig thing
2: pocket drill or the pocket jig is, is like great for quicker furniture. I, I, I will use the pocket jig, you know, over and over again. That thing is pretty, pretty great. It's a strong joint. So,
0: so would you rather use, um, uh, like a biscuit joinery instead over like a, a pocket hole?
2: Yeah, I, well, so if I'm, depends on what I'm doing. So I have what's called a, a domino uh, joiner, mm-hmm. which is, which is a great, it's, it's a same as a biscuit joiner. It's just a, a very, you know, it's a very thick piece of wood that you're putting in there. The biscuit joint is, you know, you're not going to get much like structural strength from a biscuit joint. Um, but it's, it's great for, you know, adding surface space and then aligning, uh, top and bottom. So if you're joining a table together, or a tabletop together to keep it nice and flush at the top, you know, if you throw a biscuit in there, it's not gonna, you know, it's gonna have, it's mm-hmm. gonna be able to to connect really easily. I've also done dowel, you know, dowel joinery as well. That's if you don't have a jig for that, it's pretty tough to line it up your by mm-hmm. by yourself. But uh, but yeah, I would I would prefer the domino, you know, over over any of other options.
0: Gotcha. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Like a domino specifically, s- or serves a, a certain per- um, purpose over you know, like a biscuit or something like
2: that. Yeah, it's just, it, it, well, I mean, it really is like, it really is the same as a, as a biscuit. It's just, it's shaped like a domino and you, it's just way more structural, you know, it's going to actually yeah. add, you know, some strength to the joint. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, then, yeah, of course it makes sense to to use a a domino instead of a, like a dowel or a biscuit, yeah.
2: I've done it all though. I mean, I've done, you know, sh- you know, straight glue joints with, with no, you know, uh, you know, biscuit or anything like that. I've done the biscuit joints. So I've done the, you know, the pocket, the pocket jig, holes there so yeah try them. try them all i think
0: <laughs> yeah have you tried like the intricate like japanese type joineries no i i really haven't
2: and i would like i said i think i'm i think i'm as a craftsman i think i'm moving that direction like i think i'm i'm moving towards taking more time on my products and you know uh you know not so much worried about the money but just the, the finished product, I think that's the route I'm going. That's at least the route I want to go.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and so I could definitely see myself in the future in the near future, uh, you know, getting accustomed to, to doing some different types of joinery, but you know, it as you know, I've, I've done lots of stuff with, you know, more traditional, like, uh, uh finger, you know, finger joints and, uh, uh dovetail and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Morrison Tenon,
0: stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, i'll i'll uh i'll commission a table from you soon here then and oh be God, like yes. use use intricate joinery <laughs> <laughs> <And that'll> be, <laughs> you'll you're gonna be forced to under
2: one condition that uh you'd you'd have to help me on some of it you'd have to come in the shop oh okay yeah, yeah.
1: okay jonah, I
2: mean, jonah bring the miter box bring the no. <laughs>
1: I'll be like the little kid in the corner just like banging on just like a piece of plywood and some nails. Uh, that's how I feel. But yeah, Jack's geeking out right now. He's obsessed. Yeah, shifting gears. I, we just had a couple of questions just about like the culture of woodworking. Um, one, is it toxic? I'm just kidding. But is, you know, is it, sort of toxic? Like, is there some sort of, uh, elitist mentality when it comes to materials and tools and, you know, is it like competitive and whatnot? What's that like?
2: Yeah, it, it definitely is. I think in, you know, I, I mean, I, I consider woodworking an art form and in, I think most art forms, unfortunately, there's like a lot of ego behind, mm. behind it all. The best example, uh, most recently is, you know, I was, I was at a woodworking store, a local woodworking store and, I asked them about if they carried resin products, you know, just cause I was trying to find someplace local that rather than getting on Amazon or, and, and he kind of scoffed at me and was kind of like, Oh, you know, this is a, this is a no resin zone right here. And I was kind of like, <laughs> what, a, what a weird thing to say, you know? And it's <laughs> like, cause I think the guy behind the counter was probably really a, 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 a true to heart fine woodworker, you know, and, and adding resin to it would took away value to to what mm-hmm. what he saw as woodworking.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that, that was a really good question. And I wonder too if like with woodworking, you're talking a lot about creativity, but then on the other hand, you're working with power tools and you're working with all these things and they're like two very different I don't know, like two two very different things, like being artistic but also like working with your hands and working with power tools and all that kind of stuff. Like what are your thoughts on that? Mm. Yeah,
2: yeah, no, yeah, that that's a great question as well. It's uh it, it is. It's like it's like this blue collar kind of like uh, you know, you think of like construction workers and that kind of thing, and there is that 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 kind of uh, you know vibe behind woodworking. But it is, it, it I mean, you have to be art. In my opinion, you have to be artistic. Like you, you, it's it's a really creative process, especially if you're designing. You know, from the scratch from scratch. Like, um, yeah, it, it certainly is a, a mix of things. And as far as like the people that get get involved in woodworking, I think. Yeah, you get people from all walks of life. Really, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, especially now. I mean, with social media, Instagram, and everything like that, um, and with how easy it is to get started, you know, like we're just talking about YouTube. Like, you get people from all walks of life. Single mothers. You get the construction workers that want to do the artistic, more artistic stuff. You know, it's it's just this huge kind of uh, clash of stuff. And I I mean, I think that's great. Yeah, it should it should be for everybody,
1: especially with the pandemic, like um i've seen nothing but like renovations and people are like yeah we're just gonna redo our whole home um and i'm like praying for their home but um also like good for you you know um but i feel like there's just a big boom and everybody's sort of like upcycling furniture and it's just yep it's definitely you know it's definitely popular right now
2: yeah diy that's yes Mm yeah it's huge and all these shows you know uh chip and joanna Gaines and all these you know mm-hmm. yeah it's like you know why not give it a shot you know and that's going back to what we we're talking about before the that kind of the, the ego that behind that, you know that's that's when you'll get people that will will scoff at beginners it's like well no they're just uh, you know it's like you were I, there you know. at
1: one point yeah and jack and i are like always trying new stuff so i feel like we're always chronically in the beginner stage <laughs> and uh honestly it's traumatizing but yeah, you shouldn't scoff at folks like that.
0: I, I feel like I would get like, you know, that store that you're in and you're asking about resin. I feel like if we walked in, I don't know. I don't know what we would get from them.
2: It's in, it's intimidating, actually. Like when you first start, I remember I remember like when I was first starting, even going to like Home Depot, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm I'm kind of intimidated about, you know, all the lumber and, 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 you know, and just the process of it, of even getting the cart. There's a little bit of, you know, anxiety when you start. But, mm-hmm. you know, and now I'm at a point where it's it's so second nature. Uh, you know, but you, you kind of just get used to it, but you're right. I mean, there, there, there is kind of, uh, and there's a few stores in, in particular where, you know, uh, you know, they might not be as friendly, <laughs> unfortunately, which is yeah. it's such almost, a weird thing.
1: It's almost like a boys club at those places. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. I would say so. I would say so.
0: Do you think that, um, woodworking is a manly thing?
2: So I think, I think the best way to answer that question is like right off the bat, I think the female woodworkers that I've had the pleasure of working with have been the best woodworkers. Mm. Like I'm not shocked.
1: I'll tell you that. Absolutely.
2: Well, I mean, it's, that's, I mean, you would talk about patience. Like I think women are (laughs) a little bit tend to be a little bit more patient than men. And, uh, (laughs) and yeah, I mean, there's, there's a level of, of, I think care and, and precision that, that women bring to it is what I've noticed, you know, Um, men tend to be kind of brutes with, with, certain things. And, you know, my, myself included, like I, I, you know, I have had my times where, you know, I'll get frustrated and I'm just, you know, I'm over it and, and all that. But, uh, yeah, as as far as like the, the culture, you know, predating me, I mean, I guess, I guess it really just stems from probably back in the day that it was just, you know, it was looked at as the man's job and, and, you know, it's kind of gender roles in general, you know, the man was, you know, out doing construction and, you know, the, the woman was, you know, at home cooking or whatever, you know, it was just kind Mm -hmm. of, and I think that's kind of obviously, uh, uh, you know, still to an extent, you know, the way it is today, unfortunately. But, um, but like I said, I mean, I, I, one, I think it's becoming more like gender inclusive, like with, with the DIY and with, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
2: um, it just kind of being more of an accepted thing. But, um, I mean, too my my old supervisor when i was at asu doing the theater stuff um her name was stephanie and she's she's recently married i think i believe her last name is salem stephanie salem um she was fantastic and she was so good at welding and in carpentry and all that and uh there was this one one moment that that comes to mind we went to um i think it was Sher- sherwin williams the the paint paint supply place mm-hmm. and uh she gets to the the front we get, we went together it was just us two she went to the desk, the, the counter first and, you know, says, you know, tries to weigh somebody down. I walk up behind her. The guy just completely ignores her and, and starts talking to me. He's like, what What can I get you guys? He knew we were together, but he spoke to me about it and I go, I don't know. She's the boss. Like, <laughs> like ask her, <laughs> like I'm, I'm here just the extra muscle to help carry stuff. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, wow.
2: Yeah. So there, there is that there, there, there's a bit of that, uh, you know, toxic, uh, masculinity, if you, if you want to call it that. Yeah.
1: Yeah um i'm not shocked but like infuriated by that i mean yeah she was your freaking boss she could pwn you
0: oh
2: yeah absolutely (laughs) yep
0: how would you try and break this i guess the stigma or you know try and be more inclusive you know like to to the guy at the counter you know or or whoever it might be that's that's saying like you know this is a manly thing or you know like scoffing at at Joanna Gaines or whoever it is that's coming. I, I don't think anyone would scoff at Joanna, but
2: yeah, that's right. you know what I'm saying. yeah. 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 You know, I, you know, I really don't know. And I, I do have this really kind of, uh, I wouldn't say unique, but I've, I've only worked in a couple of shops. Um, and I'm really kind of a hermit in my own shop. Like I have two people that work for, two, two men that work for me. Um, and I actually have had interest from i I, like a long time ago i i I was probably like not a long time it was like a year ago i put out a feeler on instagram just being like hey guys i'm hiring uh if you guys know anybody interested in woodworking and actually did have a couple females that that did inquire and i was i mean already off the bat it's like great like that's that's awesome and it just it just didn't work out for not even for my own reasons i mean they didn't work out for them Mm -hmm. um so i didn't even have the chance to uh to, uh, interview them or anything like that. But, um, but there was the interest there, which I thought was, was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm kind of a hermit in my shop. I spend so much time there and I, uh, I don't interact too much with other woodworkers and, you know, so, so I've never really run into other than the the case I told you about, um, before I've never really run into that, you know, situation where I've where you know, but I, but I think you should, you, you know, why not? You should, you should stand up for it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. maybe I'm doing it right now by, by talking about how, you know, how amazing, you know, female carpenters actually are. I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive. I, I think, I think the attention to detail is, uh, is, you know, important to note.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're including them in the, in the narrative of things. Yeah.
1: It's not just old white men. <laughs> <Exactly>. yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. My TikTok
1: algorithm is basically like, female woodworkers is like one of them oh that's cool and i don't even know how i got there but i'm like i will stay here yeah but you know what actually
2: there is something notable to say you know in regard to that uh, social media that that there is and it's you know with instagram and all that in the you know you you read the comments for a little bit and it's like man you really see the worst of people like yeah mm-hmm. some of the worst stuff ever but but i have seen i follow a couple of uh female woodworkers on instagram and gosh, the, you know, seeing the comments sometimes it's just like, you know, they're over sexualized, you know, mm. just for just, you know, it's like, they're just working. Like, they're like, like, why do you, why does it have to be about, you know, about, about, uh, the way they look or about their jeans that they're wearing or whatever. It's just like, yeah, that, yeah. So that it's certainly still exists, but uh,
1: it's so infuriating. Well, do you think the demographic, I mean, you've kind of alluded to this, but do you think it's changing a little, a lot more now? Um, yeah, I think it is. I
2: think it is. I think, I think too, like the more you go into the arts as well, I think, I think there's mm-hmm. a lot more, a lot more women involved. I mean, like I said, I'm really getting into the idea of sculpting. I've been doing a lot of research on sculpting and, and different artists and everything like that. And, and I mean, there's, you know, phenomenal female sculptors. I mean, that's just, yeah. So, you know, you go into the arts and it it changes for sure. But, um, you know, that, that was kind of, we touched on that before. I think I am kind of in that weird, that kind of that, that middle point between art and, and,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, just straight woodworking kind of commission based, you know? Mm-hmm. So I meant that, you know, that kind of that, uh, that crossroads right there.
1: Yeah. What an exciting place to be though, even though stressful. <laughs> yeah, no,
2: no, absolutely. Like, I, I think, you know, I was talking to my mom like the other day and I just like something clicked like, maybe about a month ago where I just felt like I was, I was done with putting myself in a, an artistic box. Like I just felt like with the items that we were selling on, um, Wolfhound carpentry.com. Like with the stuff we were selling on there, I just like, I would build it as a stock item. And then I and then they, and then somebody orders it and I ship it out. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, ah, oh, man, I'm not, I'm not really passionate about like, although I love the pieces and I and I definitely, I put my heart and soul into everything I make because people are buying it and I want them to have a nice product. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just felt like something was really missing. And you asked me about my my favorite piece or what I like to build. And that side table that I recently built was like, to me, it was like this like rebirth of woodworking for me.
0: Yeah, it was like that, that recharge that you needed for yourself. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about your business, um, cause it sounds really cool. And, you know, you started your own business after a few years of, of doing this, you know, you set out uh, your car, uh, your garage for a few years, um, on the side. And so what prompted you to start your business? Like that's a, it's a big jump to, to, to do that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really, gosh, what it, I kind of came to, to blows, for like a better term, with with the with with my job at Hale, where I just I felt I was starting to feel underappreciated, and uh, and it, you know it kind of came down to a money thing, where you know I had been there for over five years, and you know I want to I want to make a little bit more money, and it and it, and it wasn't in the car in, in in you know in the cards there, so um so I started really you know just doing the you know building the furniture on the side, looking at Pinterest and. And putting up for you know stuff for sale. I was putting stuff up for sale on um on like offer up and let go these apps and like and getting nothing, you know, people are haggling with you. Oh, Oh, I'll take it for 25 bucks or whatever, you know. So not the best place to sell your sell your work, but I mean it's it it was a start. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, that's that's really you know, I I was I was I was doing that and then selling stuff and then and then it started to pick up, like I saw I was still working at Hale and building, you know, so I was, you know, I was doing these crazy long days in my garage, you know, spending, you know, eight hours in a shop minimum. And then I was coming home and doing the in woodworking in my, in my garage. So, um, it really, it really was a grind and it still is a grind, but, uh, but to start especially. So yeah, I, uh, started selling stuff and it started to pick up and I realized like, you know, what? I can, I can make more money doing, doing this, you know, than I can at, at the, at the theater. So, yeah. uh, and uh, there was this feeling of it being kind of a dead end job, which I, I hate using that, that term because it's like, I was being artistic and it was, it was a good job. I wasn't, you know, you know, I wasn't just like, a, you know, I don't know, a trash man every day. And there's just nothing there, you know, not that there's yeah. a, a trash man, but you it's,
1: know, it's not as redundant. Like, cause I feel like you're doing a little bit more variety, but still like, it's only so much you can do.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then it just, it had kind of peaked. And, uh, and so, yeah, I was, I was ready to, the best way I, I put it when people ask me about it is I was, I was really st- ready to stop making money for somebody else and make money for
0: myself. I think you, you, you said something that most of the guests that we've had on who are entrepreneurs that have said, like they don't want to make money for someone else. They want to make money for themselves hmm And that it's a hell hell of a grind for a while.
2: The, the way, the way I equate it is you have to go out and hunt for your food. Like, and people think mm. that's dramatic or anything, but it's like, if, if you work a desk job or if you work another job or you go in and, and, and maybe you don't work so hard that week, but you're still going to get that paycheck, you know? Mm-hmm. you know? And then maybe you have a really busy week and you work your ass off. You're still going to, you're still going to get that paycheck. Like, like I have to work hard no matter what, or else I'm not going to, I'm not going to have food on the table. So it's like every morning it's, I'm going out and hunting for my food. And I think that's, I love that, that way of life because uh, to me, it's like, I think humans have kind of lost this. We've lost this connection with, with, with living. I mean, we've Mm -hmm. lost this connection with our food, with, you know, our shelter. I mean, it's like, man, the fact that I I just moved into a new apartment and, uh, and it, like it's, it's a moment of pride for me to be able to like, to have a shop and an apartment. And mm-hmm. cause I, cause I mean, I've, I've lived in my, sh- I've lived in my shop before. I mean, I've slept in my car. Like I've, I've literally been through this huge process and I have a family that's fantastic and would do anything for me, but I, I also want to do this on, you know, on my own as much as I can.
1: I, I hear what you're saying and I agree. I feel like people are, have really grown accustomed to complacency and just feeling like, all right, whatever. And almost like apathetic and, And I live for grinding, too, in a way. Like, I think it's really exciting to try a whole bunch of new shit and in just like hustling. Like, I've always had like side jobs and stuff. And so, yeah, I feel like a lot of people are just like chill with chilling and like being like, okay, whatever. It's boring.
2: Yeah. And I think that's that cycle I was in at the theater was like it was living that lifestyle of you're living for the weekend. You're living to go, go to the bars on Friday, Saturday night, and then you're going to go do it all over again. And like, you know, I just, I just got really fed up with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's better than being your own boss? You know, you get to kind of do what you want. And I think that's what a lot of us are after.
2: Yeah. I I still feel like I'm nowhere close. Well, obviously nowhere close to where I want to be, but like you have your your months where you you make good money and then you have the months where man you don't make any sales and you, it's really scary like it's mm-hmm. it's a kind of a crazy lifestyle
1: yeah i mean jack and i are both two people who want to work for ourselves you know and so i feel like what you're saying is just ringing so true mm-hmm. with what everybody else has said and that makes me feel comfortable because or it makes me feel good because It's what everybody is like. It's just the truth. Like, yeah, it's validating. You know, it's yeah, it's validating, and everybody's like, "This is just how it is." So it's like almost preparing us for the grind. Yeah. (laughs) How did you learn how to start a business? (laughs) Was it was it YouTube? (laughs) Was it YouTube? No, no, no. Uh, I had I had a lot of help. I had uh, when I when I first started
2: this. I just kind of like I said, I had this concept. I I had a name. I wanted to get a logo made up, um, all that stuff. And then my brother, my brother, uh, he's uh, five and a half years older than me, and uh, he's way better at the business stuff, you know, business side of things. And uh, so he really helped get all that, you know, getting the company bank account set up and getting the LLC set up. And Mm -hmm. so I did have I had some help doing that. And that's one thing I've learned too. Like I think I've resisted the first. The first three, four years of starting this, I've resisted help because I think it's just like maybe my own ego that I'm like, I want to do this on my own. But like to anybody listening that wants to start a business, take all the help you can get. Like, because mm. I'm not good at so many things. Like I'm good specifically at the woodworking part and like the creative stuff. But like I suck with e- like everything <laughs> else like <laughs> related to business. So like, yeah, get all the help you can.
0: That's sound advice. Was there ever a point where, you know, you came across like this specific task or like this point of starting your business and you're like, I can't, I, I don't know. For example, for me with my business, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a coach and a trainer. Um, I can't get past the social media stuff and marketing myself. So I don't know if there was anything for you where you are like, you got to this point and you're like, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to start my business.
2: I would agree with you. Uh, The market, the marketing and social media for me is like, it's, it's not easy. I'm not good at it. I just don't. And it's not that I'm not interested in it either. But I'm, I always tell people I'm a candle man in the light bulb world. Like I'm not a tech person. Like, (laughs) (laughs) a boomer as uh as jonah would say yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're
1: a friggin' boomer so yep. am i
2: yeah <laughs> but uh yeah that that whole tech side of it social media stuff like that it just it i don't jive with it but i know it's important and it's awesome because so much of it is free and it's so helpful so mm-hmm. i understand the importance of it but yeah I, I, w- I would uh i would agree with you on that one jack yeah
1: and social media is straight up all the time, 24-7, there's always something you always need to be. It's like a 20, it's a, it's a full-time job on its own, obviously. And then there's like so many things like, okay, if you want to like reach this group or this group, like, you know, there's like tactics. I mean, it's a straight up career to just do social media and so to have that full-time job on top of your full-time job and then on top of being also a finance full-time job, you know, it's like, yeah, absolutely get help. Like even for this podcast, I'm like, I oh, will yeah, take care of the social media stuff. And every day I'm like, this is too hard.
0: Do you have someone doing your social media for you or are you just doing that yourself too?
2: That's kind of mixed. So, so right now I actually do have a, a business partner. So yeah, he, he does most of the social media stuff and, and, and most of that right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're like heart and soul and joy is like doing the woodworking and like, just do the woodworking if you can, you know, at the beginning grind and then hopefully get to a point where you can just do the work that you want. To do.
2: Exactly. The other part of, of what I do that I like is, is interacting with, with customers. I, I do actually really like that. I didn't think I would, cause I've always been such a kind of behind the, behind the mm-hmm. scenes kind of person.
0: It's not, it's not like the customer service that we typically think of at like the grocery store and people are awful to (laughs) you they're coming they're coming to you because they want to give you money
2: yeah exactly yeah
0: as a business owner you know and you have like friends and family who are supporting you do you feel bad like charging full price and not giving a discount most i would say the majority of my majority if not all
2: of my very close friends and family have always like Hey, like Alex, charge me full price. Like, like, yeah. and seriously, like, you know, and they cause they support me and they they support this this venture of mine. We, like, I always try to get the best deal for people. Always. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I always try to make sure that I make money, but I always try to get people a good deal. Like, I have very humble roots. I I want to be affordable, you know, for people. I, I don't want to be like only people in North Scott still can afford this. You know, hmm. I don't want to be like that, you know.
1: It's um, it's straight up hard to price yourself because yeah. like for a couple of years I was doing I had my own cleaning business. <laughs> um it was pretty legit and I'm not kidding y'all, I still get a call once a week for like new people. I don't know where I'm listed somewhere. What? I I'm still getting calls you but haven't I haven't done that in years. I haven't cleaned in a while and um I would just be like I didn't do a lot of research on how to price yourself as this. Um and so I would be people would be robbing me blind, like with my time, you know what I mean? And it's hard. And then once you price yourself, it's like hard to adjust that if people get used to you being so cheap or whatever. Ugh. I
2: would, I would say that would that's probably been the most difficult part of, of this whole business thing is, is pricing things out. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, sometimes it's especially when you're starting out, it's like, man, you just, you, you need to make the sale. Cause you, you know, your yeah. car insurance is coming out and you need that 200 bucks. So it's like, well, I got to get them to bite. And the first quote I gave was too high. They didn't want to do it. So I'll, I'll reduce, you know, my mm-hmm. price. And, you know, so, you know, unfortunately that's, that's just part, I think that's, that's just kind of part of it when you're starting, you know? Um, and, and it, it is difficult. It's difficult to put value on, on yourself and on your, your own craft and your own services. Yeah. Yeah. It for sure is.
1: Yeah. When you have like imposter syndrome, it's hard to, it's hard because then you're like, man, are they going to find out I'm a fraud? But the whole time you're not a fraud and you could be charging way freaking more. You know, it's, it's so crazy the way we kind of just shoot ourselves in the foot.
2: I did a job for, uh, I, I built a wine rack for a really small wine bar in Scottsdale. And it was cool. It was like one of my, one of my first, I think I'd done some work for like one restaurant before it, but you know, it was like this trendy little spot in, uh, kind of near old town Scottsdale. I was like, cool. This is gonna be an awesome job. Like, you know, put this on my, my resume and my gallery and everything like that. And, uh, I had I think I, I think I broke even on it. Like, I just, think oh. I just you know, it was something like that where <laughs> I was just like, what the hell was I doing? You know, I look back at it now, but you know, it's like, whatever, you know, you live and
1: you learn. Yeah, We just felt that we felt that deeply. <laughs> we both like had a guttural, uh, we've been, I've been there. I've, I've lost money. On cleaning people's houses before.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: If you can imagine,
0: that's that's heartbreaking too. Yeah. <laughs> so I was going to ask you know, uh, so you you brought up you know this restaurant Scottsdale. What what's your clientele typically like?
2: Uh, typically, just residential. It's it's the typical typical family here in Arizona. You know, in the valley.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like how how do you find like I guess if you were to turn on the marketing levers and all that kind of stuff, like what's the demographics? Who are the people that are that you're looking for then to, I guess, advertise to, to, to come to you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's a great question because um, when I first started this thing, like I said, it's like Wolf on Carpentry. It it was kind of, you know, it, it, it it kind of embodied myself. And I think not that I think I'm like a super macho guy or anything like that, but like it was, it kind of had this masculine feel to it. Even the very Mm first logo that I had, you know, it, it did have this kind of like Irish machismo. So like, that's what, and that's what I wanted it to be. And then it turns out my, lead demographic is all women like (laughs) you know like 22 to 35 you know so like i feel like men rarely buy my stuff which i think is pretty funny you know yeah
1: Yeah. that's That's so funny funny. and yeah yeah, like like, i remember seeing i mean i I mean as you know i I i've lurked you for so long i've i feel like i've created this business with you uh via social media but um yeah, like, your logo was so good, and it was, like, clean and crisp, and it was, yeah, it was, like, very, uh, you know, it was very masculine, so that's so funny. I feel like, I don't know, I don't want to gender, like, you know, play subscribe gender stuff on people, but, yeah, I feel like men, unless they're older, like, don't care a lot about custom work. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think of myself and I'm like, I'm too broke. broke. Like I don't think I'll take care of it. You know, I'm moving all the time.
0: I guess my thought is like
1: I can build that.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: There you go. Yep. Yep. No, that's 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 very true. I think I think that's that's a huge part of it is like, yeah, you know, I'll just do it myself. Why why are we gonna spend, you know, eight hundred dollars on this or whatever when I could just, you know. Yeah.
1: And then we never ever do it. And then what ends up happening to me is I'll just keep getting shitty furniture. Like over and over and I could have bought a custom piece. I could have bought a really quality piece of furniture and have it forever instead of paying way more by getting, yeah, like Ikea stuff every six months. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. no, absolutely. That's that's something that I've, the older I've gotten, and it was something that I think my parents always kind of taught me is like, no, buy the expensive pair of, of hiking boots because- you're going to have them for a lifetime don't get the cheap stuff because you're gonna have to you're gonna wear them out you're gonna get blisters
0: blah blah oh yeah yeah that's where i think jonah and i have gotten to in the last couple of years
1: yeah. i mean mine's the last couple of weeks <laughs> like i i mean i buy everything from goodwill or secondhand even like shoes yeah and finally i was like you know what i need to throw away all these shoes because i'm basically renting clothing because it would just like wear out and i bought you know, four or five really nice pairs of shoes, you know, boots and, and yeah, I'm like, this will last me and and I feel better. So it goes for everything that we're doing. And I, th- I think that just comes with age. That's what we're saying. That's what I'm saying. Like older folks are more interested in like, okay, we're going to throw down some money because it matters. Yeah. So it's yeah. forever. <laughs> I think there, I
2: mean, there, there might be a part of it too. That's, that's kind of generational as far as like, you know, we're, we're millennials and everything like that. And We were, you know, raised a certain way and, and, and maybe that's why, you know, maybe, you know, somebody that was, that was born in the 1920s or something like that has a completely different, you know, Mm -hmm. outlook on, on that, but I don't know.
1: Alex, very serious question. Something that would piss me off. I'll tell you this. Uh, How do you take on unsolicited advice for business or about business? Although maybe not piss you off because maybe it's good advice.
2: I'll say this much. I, I I think I'm the type of person that has like a natural, a natural defense mechanism to, to (laughs) want to like, well, I I can admit that. Like, I I think I'm the kind of person that like, I really do want to do things myself and that's just kind of who I am. But as I've stuck with this more uh, I'm learning to just listen and like kind of shut up and like, and like take advice, you know? And like, I mean, one, one thing that I really should do is, is find some kind of mentorship as far as business goes.
1: Oh, yeah, I agree with that. You know, even like um, for school, like I went to a training once and the trainer, I was like, this dude is so smart. He's so awesome. I need to find a way to work with him. And so then I stalked him a little bit. I went to a lot more trainings and then he became basically my mentor for like during my social work program. And then I was able to work under him. And it was like, I feel like he really helped me learn so much and so i'm like i live and die by that like if you can find a mentor please you don't have to rebuild the wheel if you can just find somebody who understands you know
2: yeah that's a great way that's a great way to put it yeah yeah i had i did have a mentor uh at asu uh, that was specifically like a woodworking and welding mentor um his name is ronald thacker i believe he works in the uh Arizona ballet company or Arizona, cool. Opera, or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, was a technical director there. Um, and he was just great. Like he, he was really patient with everybody and he really took me under his wing. Cause I I I was one of the few students that really just showed an interest in solely woodworking. You know, I, I didn't really yeah. care about the acting. I didn't care about the <laughs> l- lighting or anything like that. So like, I was really just, uh, uh, yeah, he really took me under his wing cause he was, I think he was kind of the same way. He was like, uh, a, a true, you know, a true woodworker in his own right.
0: Well, cool. And then I guess, you know, one of our last questions for you is with Wolfhound Carpentry, what, what are some of the hopes that you have moving forward? What are some of the next steps that you want to see your, you know, where you want to see your business go?
1: Japanese joinery.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, but in all all seriousness, it it is a move towards, I want to say larger, right now it's a lot of decor items you know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of cutting boards and a lot of that. And, and, and I wanted to move towards bigger, grander items. I want to do, I want to do conference tables. I want to do bigger mm-hmm. dining room tables. I want to do, uh, more impressive pieces altogether. Um, and I've already begun on that, that journey, uh, I- even in the past month, I've already taken steps to, to ensure that, that, you know, that's, that's the route, you know, that Wolfhound goes. So that ultimately is, is the goal for the, for the the next few years is to, is to uh, you know, and, and really, it is to to bring the art into it and and and, and do really creative pieces and uh, that I want to do that 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 mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily doing because I have to to make the money, you know. I wanna I wanna move towards uh an artist mindset. So yeah, yeah, That's there's awesome. the, yeah, there's a I've been really inspired by you know I was telling you guys earlier that uh, uh about the sculpting, you know, really really inspired by sculptors right now. And there's a guy named uh, Summers Randolph, and uh, he's a stone sculptor. Mm. And uh, watched some. He has some short, little interviews on YouTube that I've been watching that I've just been really inspired by. And uh, you know, and he's one of these guys that I mean, he he just he he makes what what he envisions, what he wants to what he wants to make, and then he he puts it up for sale. You know, mm. and his, his stuff is so great that people buy it. And uh, you know, I want to get to that level. You know, I want to get to the the level where people are buying uh, you know original pieces.
1: Yeah. I follow a I follow a tattoo artist who I saw him when he was like in his apprenticeship like even before he went into tattooing like he was like I think I'm going to do this. Anyway, he got to the point now where he said I'm no longer going to do what you want. I'm going to just show you what I want to make as, you know, a tattoo. And then um people are just buying his art. You know, now instead of Instead of people walking in being like, I want this and flash tattoos. He's like, no, I'm doing big pieces. This is going to be multiple sessions and this is what it's going to look like. And people are like, I'm down. And that's kind of like, you know, maybe that's what you might be like here soon.
2: I, I think that's I think that's kind of when you've made it as an artist is like when you can really like, when you can call the shots and then people are buying your your work, whatever that that work might be. Absolutely. I think there's always this kind of like feeling of like, calling yourself an artist or whatever that like y- you feel so pretentious, you know, and saying it cause you I think you had this like image in your head of like, you know, the, the hoity toity intellectual type of <laughs> artist, But, but like, really, I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, to me, it's like, if you're, if you're having original thoughts and, and really creating what you want to create and, and really kind of saying, you know, fuck all the rules and, and all that, like, like you're an artist, like, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So
1: awesome. Yeah. So Alex, if you want to share, uh you know your social media handles your you know website you can definitely uh drop it now and then we'll also add it to the show notes. Yeah how would people find you.
2: Yeah so on Instagram I have my own personal Instagram which uh I keep it like professional woodworking stuff. It's kind of a gallery for me. And it's also kind of uh I also you know talk about woodworking in general and the process and my feelings towards towards woodworking in general into into art as well. So that's Alexander.woodworks. Um, that's so that's on Instagram. And then uh Woolfound is on Instagram as well, and that's at Woolfound underscore carpentry. And then I'm also online at uh carpentry.com.
0: Cool. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And then our last question, we promise, is <laughs> What is one thing that you don't know how to do, but want to learn how to do? Ooh. Yeah.
2: this is a great question. You know what? So uh, I've, I've listened to, I think all your guys' podcasts, except for the latest one. I still got to listen to that one. But, <laughs> dare, thank you. How dare thank you? you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Look our different no. reactions. I'm, yeah, like, right <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm going to get to, I'll probably, I'll probably listen to it right after this, but uh, uh <laughs> No, no, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan for sure. So, but I the the first one, um, and I cannot remember his name, but the the metal singer. Oh, Mark. yeah, Mark. Yeah, Mark. I I listened to that. And I was super impressed. Um, so I've always listened to like hardcore, punk, metal. That's been my my favorite genres of music. That's what Hell, speaks to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I mean being in a band or like playing mm-hmm. an instrument or or learning to like death growl like Mark would be. Yeah
1: we we'll have to hook cool. you. Guys, we're gonna hook you guys up. No, absolutely. I,
2: I, I. Uh, when I was listening, I was like, because I know he does the classes and everything. I was like, man, I should do this. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, like just for just for fun, you know. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I'll do
1: it with you. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I'll, I'll. Every once in a while, I'll do, I'll do a little growl, <laughs> and I'll be like, I wonder what would Mark would say. I'd be like, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> he'd be
1: like okay, we can all have to start from somewhere. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like, mm. no, I'm just kidding. That was good. Better than me. Um, I'm wondering if, can you just fashion yourself a guitar? <laughs> oh, you know what? So, so
2: actually I have seen, uh, some pretty cool videos on like electric guitars. Cause you could just buy like the kit essentially. And then you can make the body, which is pretty mm. sweet. So you can make yeah. like, electric guitars. And I think it's actually, I mean, it looks pretty simple. So mm. I might try that someday. Uh, and then acoustic guitar, I know is a whole nother, (laughs) you know, ball, you know, ballpark there, but, uh, I would love to try that at some point. Like how cool would that be to, to make an instrument, you know? Yeah. Do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Make the instrument and then play, learn to play it. (laughs) (laughs) and then scream and death growl. yeah and then join a metal band and then
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's why i want wolf on to go yeah i want to turn into a metal band (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's
0: got the name it's got the name it truly does uh well alex thank you so much for uh for coming on and and uh sharing a little bit about yourself and your business and your journey and answering all of my questions about tools (laughs) jack is beaming he's beaming right now you can't see but he's beaming (laughs) i'm just giddy
2: no no for sure yeah from from the bottom of my heart thank you guys for for inviting me on it's uh it really is a pleasure for me to to get to talk about this stuff and talk about my life so i i feel honored
0: thanks for listening to the podcast please subscribe and share with your friends
1: follow us on instagram and facebook at who knows we don't pod you can send us a message uh with what topics you're interested in hearing more about and if you want to be a guest on the podcast we would love to have you on please drop us a line love you boo boo love you